0: That's $110 discount off of $199 per year list price. Membership will renew annually at the then current list price. So again, check the link in the show notes of this episode.
1: You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. You're listening to the Archaeology Show. TAS goes behind the headlines to bring you the real stories about archaeology and the history around us. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Hello and welcome to the Archaeology Show episode Two, three, four. I can I have to say it that way.
1: <laughs> On today's show, we talk about three recent news stories from Greece.
0: Let's dig a little deeper before we get too deep into those cocktails. Got to get this podcast done. Wow. <laughs> Welcome to the show. How's it going?
1: Pretty good.
0: Yeah, we are in a echoey room right now. I don't know if you can hear that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a hotel room, which is going to kind of be like the name of the game for the next couple months or a couple weeks.
0: Yeah, we are, as we've mentioned, I think before, about to start our Grecian month. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to have a couple Greek-themed podcasts to selfishly teach us a little more about uh, Greece.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because obviously we're super excited to go to Athens and see all of the really amazing archaeological Remains yeah. and ruins that are there, and then we're going to a couple islands, so we're going to check out those areas, and basically everywhere we go, we plan to, you know, see the ruins.
0: <laughs> yeah. As as you're listening to this, we are waking up in Athens for the first time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We're we're starting on a cruise ship, so it's not exactly right. But it's taking us to Croatia, too.
1: It is, yeah.
0: Which is super cool. Yeah. Yeah, so we hope to see some really cool stuff up there.
1: There's so much. Like, even if it's, it ranges. You know, you've yeah. got the ancient stuff, but then you've also got medieval and castles and cathedrals and all kinds of really cool things to see in all these cities. So, I'm sure yeah. we'll have lots to talk about.
0: If we happen to be in Dubrovnik or Split, Croatia, and just find an undiscovered Greek city, I'm going to wonder what became of it. <laughs> Much like a Greek city that was found in Afghanistan several decades ago.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And, uh huh. And yeah, that's what, what our first article what, was about. What,
1: what happened to it? What it's happened that. to it? What happened to it? Yeah.
0: First off, this article is from a, a, a I don't know, something like called a, Messy Nessy. I think it's
1: like a travel blog <laughs> that yeah. started a long time ago and has become sort of legit because. I don't know. This article, it really grabbed my attention because it's well written. And I guess I don't know exactly how well researched it is, but, you know, just a little bit of poking around on the internet that I did, it seemed pretty legit. And I don't know. It was good. It's definitely more descriptive and like those sort of flowery description kind right. of thing less sciency less sciency and yeah. so it made for a really fun read too i i felt like so yeah. and
0: also there's some really great photographs in this article yes that really give you an idea of what you're what you're looking at so yeah definitely yeah, as we start to talk about it
1: yeah this is an ancient greek city like we said and it was found in afghanistan in the 1960s so kind of shocking that it would be so far east right yeah and they named it I-Kanum, which means Lady Moon. And that was named after an Uzbek princess to, who had also apparently lived in this area at right. some point. So that's where the name comes from. Okay. And there's also a really fun, like, origin story for it, <laughs> which, you know, let's just put a big allegedly in front of this story. Sure. But allegedly it was discovered in 1961 by the then Afghan king, Mohammed Zakir Charch? C-H-A-R-C-H. Apparently, he was on a hunting trip, and he noticed a fragment of a Corinthian column sticking out of the ground, and lo and behold, <laughs> it was this hidden, ancient Greek city that he discovered while on a hunting trip. Yeah. Sure.
0: Wasn't there always a, a story, I think it was, I think it was truth, but turned into like urban legend, and it was something like down in, uh, somewhere in like Maya country, where mm. Somebody was walking along and tripped over a rock, is how the story goes. And it was yeah. the tip of a pyramid of right. a Maya city.
1: I think that's all just like urban yeah. legend. A yeah, little bit. A little and bit. I have no doubt that this city was discovered this way. Sure. There was probably a column sticking out of the ground. I just like have a little skepticism that it was like the king that found it, but maybe. Yeah. You know, I mean,
0: I think I think the king probably killed the guy whose, you know, story that was. <laughs> and like and they just like story. assumed the story. <laughs> right. Yeah. So.
1: So not long after it was discovered, a French team of archaeologists were funded to start excavating there.
0: It's always a French team. Yeah. They just get all over the world. Every time we're talking about, say, Africa, uh, even, you know, the Middle East, places like that, it's always French and German teams of archaeologists. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Nice.
1: And these guys did work here for a while, too. And they, they did a lot of excavation. So if you go to this article and look at the pictures, mm-hmm. these pictures are all from the French excavation in the 60s through into almost the end of the 70s. So that's where most of those pictures come from. And they did a lot. They did a lot of work here. So, yeah. Yeah. And the city itself, like it was huge. This is not just some like fortress outpost type of deal. You know, it was a large cosmopolitan city. They had Greek Macedonian and Thracian citizens among many others. I'm sure they originally thought that this might have been during the time of Alexander the Great, but actually it was the empire that came after that, which is called the Seleucid Empire Mm -hmm. that the city dates to apparently. So it's. Just a little after the Alex the Great time period.
0: Which, you know, the rest of this is kind of surprising to me because like you mentioned in the beginning, this is the easternmost Greek city that yeah. we that we know about. Yeah. Not saying there isn't more, yeah, but just... I mean they did get out there. Maybe not as far as the Romans did. But yeah, it is a little surprising that they didn't like go further, especially given the size and complexity of this city. Mm-hmm. Like, it would be another say jumping off point for somebody, you know, to as almost like a base of operations. Say, okay, now we're going to push out this way. Yeah, you know, that's how expansion happens.
1: Yeah, for sure. And as we'll get into later, like this is a trade hub with yeah. the eastern part of the world, basically. So yeah, they it it was playing a big role in that for sure. So.
0: Yeah, the inhabitants here, as you said, the Cosmopolitan City, they tried to sort of recreate the Greek high society of, yeah. you know, probably Athens and other big cities. Yeah. Even though they were a long ways away from the Med.
1: I know. When you look at the pictures, it's kind of weird to see like the remains of a Greek city mm-hmm. with like desert mountains and hills behind it. It's yeah. just it almost it, you you're supposed to have like big leafy green mountains and trees <laughs> and stuff and it's just kind of surprising to see it in this environment, mm-hmm. but Yeah.
0: There's an artist's reconstruction uh, drawing, actually, of Uh the city, too, that is just shows you what it could have looked like. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It would have been quite, quite big. So Mm -hmm. it, of course, had an acropolis because I guess all Greek cities sort of had their like central (laughs) hub and that was the acropolis. And it was built on this like rocky cliff that sort of allowed it to protect the city down below. And that city was situated at the confluence of two rivers, the Kokcha and the Amount Staria. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And in the main part of the Acropolis, there's this like large main central corridor that runs from these sort of fortifications to the north to the rivers in the south. That's sort of how the, the city was laid out. Okay. The excavations in the sixties revealed grand. And this is this is was a new term for me. Grand propylae, propyle something mm-hmm. like that. P r o p y l a e a, and that just means gates. So yeah. they were large yeah. gates. And then there's also, of course, like as you might imagine, many temples, villas. There was a theater that could hold five thousand people. Yeah. So yeah, really big place.
0: Yeah, that main corridor led to a grand palace, which was 350 meters by 250 meters, uh, about the size of our RV. and um, um, maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> and contained all the civic buildings, the treasury, the ruler's home. I mean, so this was like a real legit place, which again, mm-hmm. confuses me why we haven't found other stuff, which probably means... We just haven't found other stuff, yeah. you know, I mean, leading it, away.
1: This like giant city couldn't have just been out there on its own, right? That's, like yeah. there there must've been others. And on, I mean, I don't have the, have the map of ancient Greek cities in my head or anything, but this definitely seems like one of the biggest ones I've heard of. So well,
0: not only that, but to feed that many people. I mean, if you had a theater that holds 5,000 people, what percentage of the population goes to the theater? Yeah. You know, probably not all of them. Right. So there could have been, I mean, I would say tens of thousands of people yeah, here. Yeah, there
1: could have been, yeah.
0: How do you feed them? You know, there's outlying farms. There's, yeah. you know, other trade ways. There's trade. Yeah. There's. They can't be just trade, though, mm-hmm. right? They live in the desert, right. so there had to have been all kinds of things going on uh, on the outskirts of this and leading to other cities.
1: Yeah. So to the south of all of those buildings in that main area, there's a huge open plaza, and that was probably for like military drills, public display, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then to the west, as you mentioned, there's the treasury. This is a 21-room treasury. So pretty pretty good size. And it sounds like it was kind of like almost a public storage place too. Like a lot of people kept their valuables Mm -hmm. there. And this is one of my favorite bits about the story is they found storage jars that had intact labels for the things that were stored in them. So that included gemstones, ivory, olive oil, incense, various contracts and records and then of course i don't know if this was in its own container or just sort of in and amongst everything in the treasury but they found hundreds of coins there so
0: so not only the jars have intact labels but the thing the labels there was still stuff in the jars that was adhering to the label
1: it it wasn't this wasn't super clear because this is just like a news reporting this isn't scientific like here's what we found this is just talking about the the place itself so yeah. yeah The walls were painted with really elaborate frescoes and the floors had the really, you know, complicated mosaic tile designs, just like a really beautifully designed and complicated, you know, mm-hmm. construction sort of a a town. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, there was a gymnasium complex, which
1: is you know, not Greece. for working out. <laughs> yeah,
0: gymnasium in, in ancient Greece was uh, basically like a, like a learning center, like a library kind of thing. That's not what, yeah, oh, that's, really? that is what gymnasium is. Yeah, gymnasium is not like what we call it today. Oh. I'd have to look up the exact definition of it, mm. but I know that it wasn't like a place to play basketball and sit on the bleachers. <laughs> so, You know, uh, climb ropes and things. Yeah. But there, that's why this comment here says there was a library in the gymnasium complex containing parchment fragments of works of philosophy, as well as tragedies. Of course, the Greeks didn't have any happy things. They only had Greek (laughs) tragedies. tragedies. And philosophy. And philosophy. philosophy. and
1: tragedy. That's what you got, right? I hope that's not (laughs) what we
0: have for the next month, but either way. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, and I love that they had fragments of parchment, too, which just goes to show you the preservation in the desert. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to get those kind of materials left over. So that's nice that they had that.
0: Yeah. And as we mentioned, you know, there there would have been a lot of resource gathering around the outskirts, which Mm -hmm. makes you wonder why in 145 BCE, the nomadic tribes surrounding the area that were kind of out Mm -hmm. in the area basically invaded and. That was the end of this yeah. city as a Greek stronghold. It
1: sounds like it was a pretty like abrupt ending. Yeah. Now the people weren't just gone, right? It just wasn't exactly like a, a,
0: yeah, a city
1: driven by the Greeks. You sure. know, it, it changed. I always like to be careful about that because when a city changes hands, the people don't necessarily leave. They just, it just changes yeah. hands, you know? So, it remained a prominent city and it was a trade center for this area after this nomadic tribe takeover. It is interesting that that was even able to happen. They probably like got complacent, right? Like they're out in the middle of the desert. They control this whole area probably. And Mm -hmm. they're just like doing their thing. And all of a sudden the nomadic tribes came in and were like, Nope, ours now. See you Greeks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember. Does it, did it say in the article when the city itself, even after it was stopped being like a prominent Greek city, Like fell into ruin? Do they know that? Or was that mentioned?
1: Um, It just says that it was covered in sand for 2,000 years. So they didn't really go into it what happened. So it
0: was smited by God, (laughs) much like other Indiana Jones cities were.
1: Right, right, of course.
0: Anyway, artifacts from this place have been found from China, Indian, and other faraway places. Pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, and I think it did go, you know, it came, it went forward in time quite a ways too, you know, so it wasn't it didn't just end 2000 years ago. I don't know when it was covered in sand and completely, you know, abandoned mm-hmm. by people, but it it was around for a long time. And you can tell by looking at the walls. I mean, they're clearly very, very well built. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, even after the Greeks were gone again, like people could have lived here for a really long time before yeah. things like started falling apart and they needed that Greek engineering to, you know, maintain things. Right. So, yeah. So the reason that this article was written in the first place was to sort of, both to review the the site itself, say what they found, what was important about it, but also to kind of like talk about what's going on with it now, because this is Afghanistan and it's kind of, you know, obviously a war torn country mm-hmm. and it has been for many decades. So what we know is that the excavations on this site ended very abruptly in 1978 when the Russian Afghan conflict happened or began, I guess. And they basically kicked out the French researchers. The mm-hmm. the Russians did. So or maybe it was too dangerous for them to be there and they left. But either way, nineteen seventy eight, excavations ended and it doesn't seem like there's been any like major large scale work on this area since then. So yeah. yeah. And that would be because you know, it's just various <laughs> conflicts, unrest
0: mm-hmm. for
1: decades. So nobody's been safe enough, I guess, to to do the kind of work that needs to be done on such a large complex like this.
0: Yeah. And as military sometimes does, they didn't do very good things to this place. No, right? uh, no. They use what conflicts. they need
1: when they need to. Right.
0: Yeah. The palace walls and foundation were gutted and used as a quarry. Some yep. of the limestone capitals were destroyed in lime kilns and capitals, the tops of the, columns. Yeah. yeah. Things like that. And uh, usually
1: the very nicely carved, pretty tops of columns. Those are the ones that were, I guess, not melted down. Melted down is not the right word, but I guess. Yeah. I guess it is melted, kind of, because a kiln is, you get it hot, right? So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That sucks.
0: The Acropolis that you mentioned was. Used by the U.S.-backed, this is according to the article, yeah. the U.S.-backed Northern Military Alliance as a base, which caused quite a bit of damage that probably yeah. hasn't even been quantified.
1: Yeah, probably not, because nobody's really mm-hmm. had had a chance to do any kind of work there yeah. or compare it with the old, you know, photographs and excavation yeah. documentation or whatever. So, yeah. Now, as for the actual artifacts that they uncovered, they were able to work on this site for... A decade or more before they were kicked out, and they found a lot of artifacts. Some of them were moved to France in the seventies, mm-hmm. and they are there still safely. But most of them stayed in Afghanistan, and they were in the Kabul Museum, or they were kind of kept in a safe place in the Central Bank in Afghanistan. Yeah. However, <laughs> many of those artifacts have gone missing. They were presumably sold on the black market. I guess the Taliban is notorious for doing this to fund their cause. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, the craziest artifact in this whole article is this colossal marble foot. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean colossal. This statue would have been like the foot. It's a marble foot of a statue. And it would have been it would have had to have been 20 feet tall, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's absolutely gigantic yeah, when you the look at these pictures. So, or maybe it was just a foot. I don't know. I guess, right. yeah, I guess the rest of it? we don't have the rest of it. They just, they just had the foot mm-hmm. that they found during the excavations. And they know that this was the, you know, left foot of Zeus because the temple that it was found in association with was a temple to Zeus. And it was documented as being in the Kabul museum up until 1995. Because they have these inventories. And then all of a sudden, it's not on the inventory anymore. It's just gone. So it sort of disappeared in 1995. And then in 2001, it all of a sudden turned up in Japan. (laughs) And this thing, like I said, it's massive and it's distinctive. So it is definitely the same colossal marble statue foot. (laughs) Yeah. And the only explanation they have is that it was, I guess bought by an anonymous benefactor to the ancient Orient museum in Tokyo. Yeah. So I guess it's okay if a museum gets a suspect piece of ancient history, yeah, as long as it's given by an anonymous benefactor. Yeah.
0: Tell that to the Met.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or the British yeah, museum, right? The British like museum. Yeah. That is definitely suspect. And I'm surprised that they're not being called out on it more because it's the first I'd heard of that. But if, Afghanistan is not going looking for their artifacts, which it doesn't really sound like they are right now, seeing as how the Taliban likes to sell the artifacts of the country. Yeah. I don't think anybody is pursuing finding the ones that have been sold on the black market. Mm -hmm. So until they call that, you know, into question, then I guess it's going to just stay in Tokyo where it was, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Open that museum.
0: Well, that's what happens when somebody who's not an archaeologist finds something that's rare and valuable. Let's find out on the other side of the break what happens when archaeologists find <laughs> rare and valuable things. Back in a minute.
1: That was so bad. <laughs> hey, podcast fans. I've got to talk to you about drinking water. As an archaeologist, I've been on surveys where we had to drink three to five liters of water every day. That's 1.3 gallons, just to basically not die. Sometimes that water just doesn't hydrate you as quickly as you're using it. That's why we've partnered with Liquid IV. The small packets make it easy to take one with you to work, to work out, or on any adventure. I like the strawberry lemonade and lemon lime ones the best. Just put one stick of Liquid IV into 16 ounces of water and get hydrated two times faster than with just water alone. And now with our partnership, you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code TAS at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration Today using promo code TAS at liquidiv.com.
0: Welcome back to episode 234 of the Archaeology Show. (laughs) 234. We won't get a a number pairing like that again until 345. Yeah.
1: If we make it that long. If we make
0: it that long. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. All right. So as I mentioned, archaeologists like finding things that are rare and valuable. (laughs) And it's even cooler when it's an ancient marble lion head. Yeah. I hope to see some of that in Greece ancient marble lion heads and other ancient marble things
1: yes definitely i think we're gonna see a lot of ancient marble things so now we know that up at the tops of temples you see these sort of like gargoyle things Mm -hmm. that's that's what this article is about so archaeologists have uncovered an unusually large marble lion gargoyle which belonged to one of sicily's ancient greek temples
0: Yeah, and much like the last article, this comes from an an upstart journalism place called (laughs) Newsweek. I don't know. (laughs)
1: Yeah, Yeah. not so much. But this is another, like... Just somebody got a wild hair and decided to write about archaeology one day, kind of an well, article. This Newsweek so, likes clicks, too. Yeah, they you do. Know, the more
0: the more they can publish, yeah. the more clicks they get. And
1: the ancient marble lion head, I mean, come on, that's going to pull people in. Right. And the picture's really cool, too. So,
0: Admittedly, that's probably going to be the title of this episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> fair. That is fair.
0: <laughs> Finding rare and valuable things. That's what the title's going to be. So, right.
1: much like the last article, this is greek but not in greece modern day greece yeah so this was in sicily that this was found and this marble lion head would have been imported to sicily sometime in the 5th century bce
0: if i I, there's something in my brain i don't know why or where i just thought of this wasn't sicily at one point greek
1: oh it might have been i'm not really sure Before it was italian yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm it was a sure. separate
0: like city state. Yeah. You know, on, on its own right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just want to say that it was Greek or related more closely to the Greeks rather than Italy. But I don't know. I'm talking, talking out of my, uh, yep. uh my gargoyle posterior. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> right. yeah. So there are only nine temples in Sicily and Southern Italy that are known to have a like gargoyle thing going on mm-hmm. like this. And this one in particular is unusually large and it is carved from this, from a Greek marble, you know, that's definitely from Greece and Mm -hmm. basically all that together means it would have been very valuable at the time. So, yeah. The
0: picture of this thing, it doesn't even look like marble, to be honest with you. It's so weathered.
1: Yeah, it is very, I would not have thought that was
0: marble. I would have thought it was some kind of, some kind of sandstone almost. Yeah, it does look very
1: like rough. You yeah, know? Yeah, for sure. So the researchers don't know what temple it came from. And we'll talk about why we don't know what temple it came from, because that seems a little weird, but they do explain that later on. But there's a couple temples that it could have come from. And one of them is Temple E. And, and that's the letter E mm-hmm. in Selinunte, which is a city in Sicily. Or it could have been from a temple that has not been discovered yet. Sure. So, yeah.
0: It's hard to believe that there's things in Sicily that have not been discovered yet.
1: Oh, I know, right? Yeah. Or maybe it's from a temple that they didn't know had gargoyles. Like if they if most of the temple is gone and they just haven't found anything associated mm-hmm. with it, it could be from one of those temples too. They yeah. don't know. Gargoyles like this are called simas, S-I-M-A. And they are, like we said, they sit up at the top of the the upturned edge of a temple roof. And in addition to being, you know, the protectors of the temple,
0: (laughs) (laughs) they're also functional.
1: They are also functional. They, they would serve as a gutter and they'd have a hole at the back to drain water off of the rooftop.
0: Yeah. Now, when we were first talking about this and I was thinking gargoyle, that's,
1: that's a very, yeah, yeah, it's a very
0: like monster looking thing to me, but this is very clearly a lion head. Yeah. I guess the term gargoyle, maybe came to be known as the creatures that the like medieval Europe used and mm-hmm. in, in churches and other buildings and things like that. Whereas it sounds like in this case, it's being used almost as an architectural feature. Yeah. You
1: know? Yeah. And gargoyle is our word for this type of thing on the roof, mm-hmm. right. But obviously it has its own word for, in, you know, in the Greek context, which is Sema's. Yeah. And They, yeah, they're way different from the medieval gargoyle that you're thinking of in your head. Yeah, for sure. They're just heads. And, right. Yeah, and they were functional too, so. Yeah, yeah. and
0: back in this time, the lions were pretty common
1: yeah. in
0: these depictions on on semas, as they're calling it. Mm-hmm. But you also see rams, uh, you know, sheep with horns.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not ram trucks. And uh dogs <laughs> and other animals. What? Yeah. They weren't trucks? I they, I'm you know, trucks. they they did have trucks. They were called chariots, <laughs> but you know. Yeah. They even had I think they even had dually chariots. It was crazy. <laughs> it was a weird time. Wow. They're usually terracotta or limestone, which would which looks like what this is to me. I'm kind of struck that it's actually marble. I know, right? Yeah. It's very so, surprising. And that's why this one is a little bit more special.
1: Yep. And now one of the reasons why they think that it's possibly from Temple E is because that temple has a marble frieze that is made out of the same marble. And it dates to 490 to 450 BCE. Okay. So it kind of puts it all into the right time frame. Yeah. And also the same marble, like, what are the chances, right, that it's sure. from a different temple? It seems like... Well, these guys, uh, you know, you have to appreciate a researcher who doesn't jump to conclusions. And these guys are not jumping to conclusions. They're very right. clear about not knowing where this gargoyle was meant to live. And again, we'll get to that in a second about why they don't know. But yeah, yeah, they're they're definitely not jumping to conclusions.
0: Well, and before we do get there, one of the reasons why the origins of that are unclear is because it kind of looks like it's unfinished. Yeah. And, and was not maybe in its final destination?
1: Yeah, exactly. They know it's unfinished because there should be a water outlet at the back, which mm-hmm. would be for the draining. Because that was, I mean, they were protectors, but like the functional purpose was yeah. to drain the water off of the roof. And that hole is missing. So they definitely know that it was unfinished. And and also, they didn't find this at a temple or at a Roman structure. Right. <laughs> they found it in like the harbor zone in the town of Salinante. And the area it was found in was kind of like a workshop district, I guess. Mm -hmm. So what they're trying to figure out, I guess, is like, was this shipped to Selenante and then taken to this workshop where the carving was done? That seems like a pretty good assumption. But again, like I said, these researchers are definitely not jumping to any conclusions. They want Mm -hmm. solid evidence before they say anything like that. But... But just from the sort of circumstantial evidence, I guess, it seems like, yeah, it was shipped over. Somebody was working on it for whatever reason. It didn't get finished. Maybe they messed something up and it wasn't good or they didn't need an extra one. Who knows? Who knows why it didn't get finished? Maybe it was practice. But yeah. yeah. And then it just ended up being here for us to discover, you know, 2,000 years later. So.
0: All right. Well, around the same time. Somebody else was making statues on an, an, a now uninhabited Greek island. There's lots of little Greek islands. Yes. Many, many. And uh, those statues, however, were not only finished, but then used in construction materials. <laughs> we'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome back to the third and final segment of The Archaeology Show, episode 234 Greek Archaeology.
1: Where we finally go to Greece for this final segment, yeah, the finally, final story. <laughs>
0: finally, go to Greece. Oh,
1: I'm sorry, to actual modern day Greece again. Right. The ancient peoples didn't care about the way we draw our country boundaries today. They yeah. they went where they went and did what they did, conquered who they conquered. Exactly. And weren't concerned with our modern day boundaries. But anyway, yes, yeah.
0: Well, this article was written by the Greek scholars at the Miami Herald, and uh, you know, <laughs> because why not? Sure. Again, again, going for the clicks. Yeah
1: yeah we do have some interesting news to say. I'm not gonna lie I really wanted to do a Greek archaeology episode because we were going to Greece so I'm like specifically searching this stuff out mm-hmm. like normally I default to National Geographic or Smithsonian and the other big institutes that put out really well researched
0: that one in articles. Idaho, the Idaho the, oh Statesman. yeah Idaho
1: Statesman which yeah. for some reason scholarly has articles amazing <laughs> archaeology articles but so yeah we're a little off the beaten path with these articles this <laughs> this week but it was fun to look for greek stuff so i'm i'm not gonna be sorry about it yeah the person
0: person who wrote this i don't know if it's a i I assume it's i don't know i'm not gonna say they (laughs) their name is aspen flugoft i'm not even sure yeah what that what's going on there but uh anyway the article's titled temple ruins on uninhabited greek island reveal 2400 year old statues Take a look. That's weird to have put take a look it at the end of the article. It
1: is weird to put it that Yeah. So <laughs> okay, but Yeah.
0: anyway, the Mantra archaeological site is located along the coast of Despotico Island. And that island is about 100 miles southeast of Athens on the southern tip of mainland Greece. And I'll tell you what, I've looked at the map of Greece quite a bit as we've been doing our travel planning. Yeah, yeah. And it still shocks me that the southern tip of mainland Greece is a hundred miles south of Athens.
1: Yeah. It goes Athens, it goes way, way out there. Yeah. yeah. But, it's,
0: but almost as like a tiny spit because yeah. Athens is kinda of the point where it's it's its thickest and starts to really narrow. Yeah.
1: It's like yeah. it is sort of like not degrades into fingers, but the land yeah. just sort of becomes islands all of a sudden. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well it's you know it did that when the uh you know, the Mediterranean. Well, the, the African plates, I guess, ripped away from the European Mm. plates and made the Mediterranean. It just ripped the Greek islands apart right there.
1: Yeah, it does. It looks ripped almost. It's yeah. I'm so excited to see it in person. I'm sure it's such a unique landscape. So it's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Excavations here began in 2001 and ruins from the iron age the undefined Iron Age in this article. Yeah.
1: Which Iron Age are we talking about? Or what, what, are, what are the dates for this Iron Age? It
0: doesn't matter. They had iron. That's all we need to know. <laughs> we know it wasn't the Bronze Age or the Stone Age. Right. Yeah. So. so,
1: in between the two, apparently.
0: Exactly. So, we've established when it was. What it was was a ruined temple for the god Apollo. Archaeologists found several walls that they think formed the entrance hall, and there were several parts of a statue.
1: Just parts. Like Just a parts. dismembered statue. Yes. I think I listen to way too much true crime because I'm like, (laughs) what were they doing? Why did they dismember the statue? What are they trying to cover up? What is going on here? (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: The statue itself dated to about 2,480 years old, and they don't mention how they dated it, probably some form of relative dating, Mm -hmm. you know, other artifacts, things around it, because you can't date the stone. The stone is, you know... 200 million years old. Right. Yeah.
1: And it could have been the style of the statue too, because sometimes yeah. those are very specific to a time period. Yeah.
0: Stylistic dating is very important. Especially
1: and, in Greece.
0: Right. And, and do you remember what the word is when you put things in order of stylistic differences? No, I don't. Seriation.
1: Oh. Yeah. Aren't you a little smarty pants? I know,
0: right?
1: <laughs> Where'd you pull that one up out of your, like, I don't know. I just the thought of deep it. recesses of your brain? <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, we're going to break the fourth wall here. Somehow the recording stopped, and we actually said all this already. Yes, and did. I did not remember the word seriation the first time you definitely (laughs) did not (laughs) all right so anyway it depicted the statue itself depicted a male figure standing upright and now here's where i'm a little bit confused the statue type they said is called a koros k-o-u-r-o-s yeah and it's the this one is the upper body and torso of a card figure the lower legs arms and face are gone so i was kind of like okay so is a koros a Male figure standing upright, or is a chorus the upper body and torso of a male figure standing upright? Is that a I, special thing?
1: I would say that it's probably the whole statue, the dis- take the dismemberment out in this particular case, mm-hmm. because chorus, K O U R O S, kind of sounds like chorus, which is like background performer kind of thing. Sure. These statues could be sort of that like stylized. This represents a man, kind of a statue, and sure. they all sort of look the same. That I could see that being yeah, what those maybe. are. Yeah.
0: Well, apparently, Khoros statues were popular in ancient Greek culture from about the sixth century BCE to the fourth century BCE. Mm, that's a
1: pretty tight, tight time frame, really. Yeah, for like such why a, not longer? I don't know, yeah. but it means that you can use that style to to date this. I mean, you get a two hundred year time frame all mm-hmm. of a sudden, and that's actually pretty good for Greece. You know, yeah. A, they, I mean, there's thousands of years of history in Greece, right. so, yeah.
0: Well, according to this next little bullet point I pulled out of the article, I think we answered the question. It, it is not just the upper body and torso. It's the young male figure. Yeah. Which is a koros. Yeah. Because young male figures were used as tombstones, monuments, and sometimes represented the god Apollo. They're not saying young male figures, torsos, and upper bodies. No. So, no. Yeah.
1: Just the, the full figure.
0: Right. Yeah. Full-figured man. <laughs> Yes. Now, it's interesting that it's called a koros. I want to look that word up a little more because the Greek word for man is aftos, mm. not koros. It's a very different word. Mm. So, it's interesting.
1: Maybe it means young man. It, it does could be a totally different that's word. Agori. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: So, and koritsi is girl.
1: Oh, look at What's you that? go.
0: Hineka is woman.
1: Wow. I uh, know. Learning some Greek, Learning man. some Greek. Uh,
0: Apollo was one of the most widely revered and influential of all the ancient Greek and Roman gods.
1: You're going to break the fourth wall again?
0: <laughs> I'm laughing because I typed these notes up and somehow autocorrect changed influential into influencialo.
1: Why would it even do that? That's like a different language. There's an accent and everything. Like
0: went to Spanish or something. I don't even know.
1: I don't think that's Spanish. I don't I think, think it is either. I don't know what it Italian? is. Italian? Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> oh, man. So, Apollo was worshipped as the god of religious law, prophecy, crops, and the sun, of course. I always think of Apollo as the The sun sun god. God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure.
0: Apollo and Ra, tight. Super tight. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Who was
1: Apollo the twin of? He's a twin, right?
0: uh, There's day and night. I
1: can't remember who he goes with.
0: Well, there's, there's, yeah, there's, there's uh, dawn, day, and dusk, I think. (laughs) And then there's, wait a minute. Am (laughs) I confusing?
1: You're confusing it with
0: the show that we
1: haven't been able to go back and finish because it's so complicated and I forget everything that has happened
0: no it's fine we'll finish it yeah we will anyway yeah the god of religious law is something I didn't know
1: no I didn't know that either I hadn't actually heard that
0: one before the rest
1: of it kind of makes sense so yeah kind of you know crops obviously Prophecy? Sure, why sure. not?
0: Yeah. <laughs> the fragments of two other coral statues were found in the area as well. Uh, when the Apollo sanctuary was functional, the statues more than likely lined the entranceway. Yeah. That's what they think. Because that's, I mean, I I probably could have told you that. I mean, that's just common, like, Greek things. That's what you would do. You line
1: them up. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it just makes sense to me that this was, like, a a typical, like, standard statue. Nothing special. They're pumping them out. Sell them to whoever needs, you know, a walkway lined with young men. You know? Yeah. I mean,
0: there's probably a lot of people we know that need a walkway lined with young men. (laughs) I'm not really sure. Statues. Oh, statues. Statues. Yeah, sure.
1: Statues of young men. Right. Yeah.
0: Anyway... Here's the real cool thing. Yeah. First off, go look at the pictures because there's this one. The ones they pulled out of here Mm -hmm. is really great. Yep. It it really is faceless with no arms and he's got legs, but just no lower legs. Yeah, it's really crazy. But anyway. Do you
1: think it was vandalized? Was it like.
0: Well, I think so. Given the next picture we're going to talk about.
1: That. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So and I don't think it was vandalized because what they said was after this area was abandoned, or at least after the temple was abandoned, there's Mm -hmm. still people there. They're still doing things. And they're like,
1: but they don't care about Apollo anymore or whoever these statues were meant to be.
0: Maybe they just were like, Hey, I don't think that's Apollo. Do you think that's Apollo? Yeah. I don't think that's (laughs) Apollo. Great. Hack that guy up and we're going to use him in the, in the building materials. I mean,
1: It's stone. So, yeah. you know, but just, don't reduce, but just reduce this recycle. Like, seeing this
0: like head amongst these rocks in this wall and then this like mannequin body also is yeah. part of the wall is that pretty is, funny. Isn't
1: that creepy? Like, can you imagine living in a house where like one of the stones is the torso of a statue? Yeah. yeah. That seems like it would be pretty creepy, but... Yeah, it's pretty weird. (laughs) But I love the attitude, right? Like, it's solid material. It's already there. It's kind of the right shape, at least Mm -hmm. when you decapitate it and break it up into two pieces. So, yeah, why not? Put some statues into your walls.
0: Exactly. So, along with those sophisticated architectural uh, elements, they also excavated (laughs) some new sections indicating that they'd excavated some old sections of this uh, a while ago, but... As far as this release goes, this press release, they excavated new sections of the water management system at the site, which included an oval water tank, mm. which is pretty cool. I would, it looks like a something you would see is like a like just a, like a water catchment on like yeah. a ranch or something like that. We've seen a lot of these things where you know seasonal streams come down from the hills in Nevada, and then ranchers basically just dam it up, mm-hmm. and want, divert and dam, and then yeah. that's for cows to, to drink out of, you right. know, or, or move it over to an actual cow pen, not cow pen, but like a water area.
1: Yep, totally.
0: And that's what this looks like. It's pretty cool. It's, it's a large inset stone structure. The stones line the edges and a conduit runs out of one side and down to some other areas. So... Yeah, pretty sophisticated really yeah
1: very sophisticated I wonder if it would have
0: had something over the top of it or just like open to the elements well it depends on what they were
1: using the water for if it was just for watering their animals or crops and stuff like I don't I think
0: they drank purified water back then I I think they would have drank whatever they got their hands on
1: true but if you're drinking water you're probably more inclined to cover it so it doesn't get Mm, all kinds of stuff in it you know
0: yeah they also found a four roomed building whose purpose is currently unknown which is not too surprising if they didn't really find anything in it And some pottery that dated to the 5th or 6th century BC. Mm -hmm. So it all kind of fits. On the other side of the site, a 2,600-year-old religious structure is being restored. And there's a super cool photo of that. One of the last ones in the article here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they're just trying to recreate the thing. It's so white. Yeah. It's really cool. It
0: would have been, right? Yeah. You know, all the marble and limestone they used? Yeah, totally. Ancient Greece would have been extremely bright.
1: Very white bright. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, So I love it. Yeah, the photos show it in in mid-restoration with with it being a rectangular white-columned building. Mm -hmm. So kind of small, actually, to be honest, this little one here.
1: Such an interesting thing that they have to do at this site because these statues are being repurposed into building materials. So they have to obviously document the buildings that have the Mm -hmm. statues as part of them, but then they also probably have remains that date to the time of the statue. So they're kind of like, okay, this statue here, which is now part of the wall is actually probably from this earlier occupation that we have evidence Mm -hmm. of over here. It's like, you're kind of like detangling this like web of reuse of materials. It's got to be complicated, but also really, really neat. It makes you wonder what other stones were taken and reused that were from other older structures too, you know? Yeah. Makes it hard for archaeologists, but it is really great to reuse things, so can't really fault them for it. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, that's about it for this show. Uh, I'm going to pretend that it is real time and you're listening to this on Sunday morning uh, or Sunday early afternoon if you're on the East Coast of the United States or somewhere else in the world. Mm -hmm. And we are, you know, departing Athens on a cruise ship and we're going to go grab some dinner and a drink. (laughs) All right. Yep. With that, we'll see you later. Probably get some feta too.
1: Definitely. You know, definitely some feta. Yeah, definitely yeah, feta.
0: And probably a Greek salad.
1: Yeah, I need tomatoes and cucumbers and yeah. olive oil. Yeah. Yeah. Fe sure.
0: Thank I would like a euro.
1: Oh, just one?
0: Just one euro. <laughs>
1: just one euro. See you next time. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to The Archaeology Show. Feel free to comment and view the show notes on the website at www.arcpodnet.com. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at arcpodnet. Music for this show is called I Wish You Would Look from the band Sea Hero. Again, thanks for listening and have an awesome day.